From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. There's no doubt that cryptocurrencies have risen in mainstream popularity over the past year. Still, it's a market that is largely unregulated which caused the Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Gary Gensler to recently call the market the, quote, Wild West. Vivian Fang is an expert in cryptocurrency and blockchain, along with corporate finance and financial accounting. She is an associate professor and Honeywell professor in accounting at the University of Minnesota's Carlson School of Management. In this interview with reporter Kelly Bush, Fang discusses the basics of digital currencies, the growing role they play in our economy, and why Gensler equated the digital market to the Wild West. Today we're joined here with Dr. Fang. Thanks for joining me. And we're going to be talking about the basics of cryptocurrency, which has greatly risen in mainstream popularity in the past years. So let's start with the basics. What are cryptocurrencies and what role do they play in our economy? Well, cryptocurrencies are digital currencies that build on decentralized systems and rely on cryptography for security. So there are three special things about cryptocurrencies. First, they're virtual, meaning that they have no physical forms. There are no bills, there are no coins, and even if you own cryptocurrencies, you can't really open your wallet and see them. Second, all cryptocurrencies are secured through cryptography, meaning that encryption techniques are used to ensure that records of cryptocurrency transactions are not tampered with. Finally, most cryptocurrencies are decentralized, meaning that there's no central issuing agency like the Fed or central clearing agencies like banks or credit card companies. So they rely exclusively on the distributed ledger technology, typically blockchain technology to record transactions. So to, yeah, your second question was, what role do cryptocurrencies play in our economy? Now, to understand the role that cryptocurrencies that may play in our economy, we first have to understand how they were created. Right? So going back to the 90s, some folks who like to label themselves as cypherpunks grew increasingly skeptical of central banks and not just the US central banks, central banks across the globe. So they really wanted a decentralized currency that is free from government involvement, free from government intervention and truly native to cyberspace. And of course it was not until 2008 did Bitcoin the first real cryptocurrency become a reality. 
So for this reason, the proponents for cryptocurrencies, especially the early creators like Satoshi Nakamoto, strongly believed that cryptocurrencies could provide a significant benefit to the society by overcoming the lack of trust in government and by increasing everybody's access to financial services. Uh, so along that line, cryptocurrencies can serve as a medium to support economy growth, especially in developing countries by widening financial inclusion, providing a better traceability of funds to battle corruption, for example, and for helping people escape poverty. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, right, we have the opponents for cryptocurrencies and they point out right, um, a number of reasons why cryptocurrencies may be bad for the economy. For example, mining, right? Mining Bitcoin and many other cryptocurrencies still burns a lot of energy, traditional energy, which is arguably bad for the environment. So hopefully we will see a switch to the use of renewable energy soon. Mm -hmm. And cryptocurrencies got bad names because they raise concerns about cybersecurity issues, dark web and other criminal activities. Um, but, you know, these are kind of like really abstract roles in our everyday life, right? Cryptocurrencies kind of work just like dollar bills now because they can be used to buy goods and services at a lot of places. For example, many online businesses now take major cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ether for payments where PayPal is accepted after the online payment company introduced its checkout with crypto service this, this year. Okay. okay, so it's really grown in popularity with having those just everyday Main Street businesses accepting cryptocurrency. So it's, yes, yeah. I would say that it's definitely start to gain mainstream acceptance. The wide acceptance is not there yet, mm -hmm. right? But it's definitely moving towards that direction. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Well, I wanted to back up and ask about one thing you mentioned, which is blockchain. Mm -hmm. I think that's a um, idea that not, um, it, it's kind of difficult to understand sometimes. So do you want to um, explain what blockchain is and how that, you know, builds crypto? Right. Um, so that kind of takes us to the question, right? What is a blockchain? Mm -hmm. uh, in simple terms, Blockchain is just a multiple party data sharing platform. So new data can only be uploaded if the participating computers on the chain agree. Existing data cannot be edited or subsequently modified. Now in more technical terms, a blockchain is a distributed, a pen only ledger of provably signed sequentially linked. So you see kind of blocks linked on the chain Right? And we have secure transactions that are replicated across the network. And the unique thing about blockchain is the updates of these transactions are not appended by a human or a government or any other central authority, but by a software driven consensus. And this consensus in the Bitcoin version of blockchain is commonly referred to as mining which I'm sure that many of you have heard of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm, so you mentioned in terms of mining, you know, there's that um, environmental concern associated with it. So how, how do you take mining and create that to be more um, environmentally friendly? You know, what, what does that actually involve? All right, just to give you a sense how much energy that mining could use. Um, I have a friend who is local to Minnesota who used to run a small mining farm in his own house. And he was only running about 10 mining equipment. And he was looking at about 9,000 electricity bill every month. Okay. Right. So we're not talking about a trivial amount of energy, mm -hmm. right? A mining uses. Um, there are two hopes. One is that the we change the protocol into, for example, proof of stake, right? Something that uses less of energy. And uh, Ethereum, a second popular blockchain just next to Bitcoin, is thinking to update to Ethereum version two which supposedly uses more environmentally friendly mining process, mining protocol. And the second hope is that we switch to more renewable energy use, right? Which is more environmentally friendly. Okay, okay, great. Um, to kind of go back now again to the beginning and the basics, I wanted mm -hmm. to ask generally, how do cryptocurrencies get their value? Yeah, so, that is probably the toughest question to answer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know, if assets like stocks or equity, we can apply valuation techniques such as discounted cash flow models, right? To get a sense of whether stocks are overpriced or enterprise. Mm -hmm. Now, for fiat currencies like US dollars, the Fed probably plays a big role in determining value. Unlike stocks and fiat currencies, cryptocurrency values are mainly affected by supply and the market's demand for it and competing cryptocurrencies, which makes it very difficult to come up with a precise number. Now, um, I can give you some arguments as to why cryptocurrencies have value, right? Uh, especially to cypherpunks and the libertarians because they represent decentralized currencies that are free from government intervention. So you always have people behind cryptocurrencies or loyal to cryptocurrencies all the way. And they're also of value now because they serve as a medium of exchange, right? And they allow us to buy goods and services online at many places now. And they're anti-inflationary by nature. For example, Bitcoin is capped at 21 million, right? You will run out. And the new blocks are now going to get Bitcoin rewards by 2040. Mm -hmm. However, on the other side, most cryptocurrencies have no intrinsic value. They don't generate cash flows like firms do, right? And nor do they have stable stores of value. Um, so there are arguments for and against their value. And um, there are some valuation techniques we can get a sense of relative values of one type of cryptocurrency against other types. But to come up with an absolute number is really challenging. Yeah, yeah, that sure sounds like it would be. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So you've mentioned Bitcoin, and I think that's, um, you know, a, a currency that everyone's familiar with. But what are the other ones that exist? And my second question is, 
are there certain forms of currency or certain types, I should say, that um, specific groups of people gravitate to? Yeah, well, Bitcoin was the first real cryptocurrency because it runs on a decentralized blockchain and it remains to be the most popular one with the largest market cap by far. I think I just checked before today's interview. Uh, the market cap is sitting around $750 billion. Mm -hmm. And the second most popular cryptocurrency and the one with the second largest market cap is Ether, mm -hmm. which builds on the Ethereum blockchain. Now, Bitcoin was intended to be a currency from the get-go. So it, it is meant to be a cryptocurrency. Ethereum, on the other hand, was created to allow computer developers to build and publish smart contracts, which is why Ethereum describes itself as a programmable blockchain. And for that reason, Bitcoin attracts more general investors, right? Everybody who thinks of cryptocurrencies kind of gravitate towards Bitcoin. And Ethereum, on the other hand, definitely attracts more tech-savvy investors. Mm -hmm. um, the other two popular cryptocurrencies, I think it would be Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash, and both of which are spin-offs of Bitcoin. So they used to be part of Bitcoin and they become a fork. That's what we call them. And one unique thing about Litecoin um, is that, as you can probably tell from its name, it confirms transactions much faster than Bitcoin. So it takes Bitcoin about 10 minutes to process block, but it only takes Litecoin about a quarter of that time, 2.5 minutes to process a block. So that's a pretty attractive feature about Litecoin. Okay. Okay. And just to clarify one thing, a blog, is that a purchase done with that coin? Some transactions. Yes. Okay. Yes. So if I transfer you know, probably not going to transfer one Bitcoin to you. Let's just say I transfer 0 0.001 mm -hmm. Bitcoin to you, right? That could be a part of a block. But usually one new block contains more transaction than just one transfer. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Great. Um, well, I wanted to chat about future regulations. And I know this is another big question is, you know, what, if any, can we expect well, the short answer is yes, mm -hmm. or we should definitely be expecting more future regulations. And just this month, both the Fed and the SEC are repeatedly calling for more crypto regulations. And I think this Tuesday, the SEC chairman, Gary Gensler, was describing the crypto market as the wild west, that rife with fraud, scams and abuse and threatens national security. And he was calling on Congress to grant the SEC more scope, more authority and more resources to oversee the crypto sector. Now, my personal view, and you know, I could be wrong, is that regulations are not a bad thing for this market. A blanket ban would be bad, mm -hmm. um, but regulations are necessary steps to the stability and acceptance of cryptocurrencies, right? And nobody could de deny that this market is incredibly volatile, right? We see extreme price movements, both on the upside and the downside. Um, so even with Gary Gensler's comments, I don't think the crypto market 
react overly negative to them. Uh, the biggest policy debate we face is whether we should view cryptocurrencies as securities like stocks or bonds. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, you know, takes us to the question is that how should we regulate the issuance of cryptocurrencies and trading of cryptocurrencies? If we should treat them as a stocks, then the regulation, right, uh, the, the issuance of a cryptocurrency just should be just treated as stock offerings. So that's a big debate. Um, and the SEC definitely needs to provide more clarity on that front. Another important issue here is that how the tax authorities, right, mm -hmm. levy and collect tax from crypto transactions, for example. Um, if Tesla start accepting Bitcoin again, right, as a payment for the car, how should we view transactions like that, right? How do we collect tax from crypto transactions? Uh, it is clear that the IRS makes it very clear that anybody who profits from Bitcoin mining or transactions should pay tax, but the tax authorities still face incredible challenges in collecting tax from those profits. Okay. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are, they're here to stay, especially with likely upcoming regulations. So where should people turn if they want to learn more about these cryptocurrencies or want to invest? Well, they can always come to the U and take a class <laughs> with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, joking aside, there are many books <laughs> and YouTube videos that people yeah. can look up. Um, for basics, uh, the book on um, mastering Bitcoin, I think there is a serious book on mastering Bitcoin and mastering Ethereum is a good start. Um, I really like the open course offered by Princeton University on YouTube. Uh, it's free, but it, the course is a bit on the tech side. Mm -hmm. So like for very basics, I think the short videos on YouTube uh, are more than enough. Mm -hmm. And for crypto-related news, uh, websites like Cointelegraph and Coindesk are great. And I read Coindesk almost every day. Okay, okay, great, great. Well, I think that's it for everything I wanted to ask about. So is there anything else you wanted to add in or mention? Uh, not really. I'm just looking at your question. Um, yeah, I think. Oh, we haven't talked about NFTs. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That was my second question I wanted to ask. Yes. I just went right over it. We were chatting about cryptocurrency. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, well, let's chat about NFTs here. And so those are non-fungible tokens, correct? Right, right. So in simple terms, non-fungible tokens, the so-called NFTs, are tokenized digital work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in real life, some people like collecting antiques or baseball cards, right? Mm -hmm. So you can sort of think of NFTs as digital collectibles or crypto alternatives to physical collectibles. And NFTs are created to authenticate ownership of a unique one of a kind digital work. And you could be pictures, videos, audio recordings, or really any type of digital files. They can do that because transactions of NFTs and resulting ownership from these transactions are recorded on blockchain, mostly Ethereum. Okay. And so 
Because NFTs are created to represent unique creative digital work, they fit very well with the industry like art, music, fashion, sports, right? Which is why in recent years we see um, quite a few NFT projects launched by art galleries and major sports leagues like an NBA Top Shot. Okay, okay, interesting. And, and I think some of the NFTs are, are, you know, just like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, they're here to stay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So where, I mean, where do you find the NFTs? I'm curious, like if you were to sit down at your computer, how do you go and find NFTs? Is there a centralized database of them or how does that work? Google is your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. So most of the NFTs are running on Ethereum. Okay. Uh, and if you want to participate, they have their own websites for offerings and sort of instructions on how to participate. Do you, do you own any NFTs? I do not. Okay. Okay. Yes. Not, not at the moment. Not at the yes. moment. <laughs> yeah. There are also some developments on virtual real estate. Oh. Um, I do um, allocate a portion of my own assets into cryptocurrencies. Sure. Just no NFTs yet. And I invest in quite a few mining stocks. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that would make sense yes. <laughs> if you're reading the crypto news every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Fang, for joining me. This was a great conversation. It was super interesting. Yeah, definitely. Thanks very much for inviting me. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.